When you have parents like me who are willing to stop what they're doing in their busy lives and help, let us help you. And you can only do that if you're communicating your issues with us and if you're transparent in your response. All right, folks, you are listening to the Valley Labor Report, Alabama's only union talk radio show. This is Adam Keller here, and I'm excited to bring you our next interview. This is with Miss Alvarez, who is running for Huntsville School Board District 3. Uh, really excited to have her on the show. Uh, Miss Alvarez, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me, Adam. Absolutely. Glad to do it. So just to start out, could you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background and really what motivated you to decide to run for a Huntsville School Board? Huh. Um, so I'm a proud mother of three children who all go to um, District 3 Huntsville City Schools. I am also a product of District 3 Huntsville City Schools. Um, and so I made an intentional decision to move back to District 3 um, to educate my kids. Um, I am by day, I'm a full-time working mom. I'm a budget analyst, um, contractor supporting the Missile Defense Agency. Um, and then um, I also am a very advent, um, advantageous volunteer in the community. I support Huntsville Hospital. Um, I also am um, serving my fifth year on the Challenger Elementary School PTA. The past two years I've been president um, and then I had to roll off. And so now I'm treasurer. Um, the reason I'm running is, is really I feel like our, our schools have been on a negative trajectory for um, a good decade, maybe even longer, um, and we need to get them back. I graduated about 20 years ago, and I know what our schools are capable of being, and so I was um, quite shell-shocked when I had my kids go to the same schools and they're getting different results than I got. Um, I feel like we just need um, less politics in our school system and we need more people who actually have a vested interest to be there like myself. Um, my youngest is a first grader, so I have 12 more years in this system and um, I just really need um, things to be better than what I'm seeing right now. Awesome. Well, as a parent of a first grader myself, I, I know the struggle and I know how important it is to feel comfortable um, sending your child to school five days a week. It's, you know, it weighs heavy on us as parents and it should weigh heavy on everyone as a member of the community. So tell us a little bit about your platform. What are you running on as a candidate for Huntsville School Board? Um, so as as president of the PTA, I was I'm, I'm in the school weekly, sometimes daily. I am, I'm talking to the teachers, the counselors. I'm seeing how things are run. I'm seeing their lack of supplies. I'm seeing their lack of staffing. Um, I, I'm seeing these issues firsthand. And when I started to reach out and ask board members about these issues, I did not get the response I thought I would get. I, I was almost gaslit and, and pretty much told that it's a lack of parents in the school. It's a lack of teachers who will just never be happy. Um, it's a lack of funding. It's, it's all these things other than school board and administration. Um, so I have made it my life's purpose uh, a trajectory I never thought I would be on to advocate for our teachers because at our school alone, we have 20% turnover year after year. Um, Huntsville City Schools has some of the lowest turnover for uh, um, the first three years of teaching in the state. We're at 36% um, ten, um, turnover when the state average is 50%. So what are we doing in Huntsville that's so much worse than the rest of the state? And when I talk to teachers, it is, um, 
it is a morale issue. It is, they don't feel supported. It is, they say they need things and do not receive them. And so a primary um, component of my platform is listening to teachers and getting them what they need so that one, they stay and two, that they're effective. Um, When we have teachers, new teachers every single year and we're losing the history and we're losing those long-term teachers that have the skills that can't be taught in school, we are only hurting our children. Um, secondary recruitment and retention. I feel um, in my industry, and of course I'm DOD, we have, we have great benefits. We have lots of time off. We have lots of perks and we don't have that for our teachers. Um, they, they have requested more training. They feel like they're not adequate for their jobs every day. Um, more time off, maternity leave, um, work-life balance. I mean, things that the, the whole world is going towards except for the teaching industry. And so we in Huntsville, when we have the means and the people who can set up these types of strategies, we could actually increase recruitment and retention just by having the best benefits in the state. Um, so I think we're going to do that. Um, thirdly, literacy. Um, our third graders are not doing well. We are 76% proficient in literacy um, as a school-wide system, and the state average is 78%. Again, Huntsville is the smartest city in the state, arguably the smartest city in the country. Why are we below the state average in Alabama, who is already 49th, 50th in education? So we in Huntsville need to figure out what is happening. Why are we failing so, so much with literacy when that wasn't the case 20 years ago? Um, And then finally, communication and transparency. Um, Like I said, when I have reached out I was not provided policy. I was not provided numbers. I was not provided anything. It was go find it, go find it. And and then we'll talk. And that is not what we need. Um, I came at it with, with a willingness to help with a, I want to get my hands dirty. How can I help this system? How can I help teacher morale? And I was pretty much just blown off. And when you have parents like me who are willing to stop what they're doing in their busy lives and help, let us help you. And you can only do that if you're communicating your issues with us and if you're transparent in your responses. Um, so I was quickly I was quickly put on you know, the list of being somewhat disgruntled. And I was like, all I did was reach out to help and I'm proven as someone who can help solve problems. So it was very disheartening to see how it really was. Yeah, I think it's clear that your own experiences as a public school parent really fed into your drive to, to run for office. Um, and I'll just say personally that I think your experience was not unique. It has not been unique. And I, I imagine on the campaign trail, you've run into other parents and educators who've had uh, similar type experiences. But I really have. I, I get several emails a day. That's for sure. You, you just mentioned it there at the end. And I know you've talked a lot on the campaign trail about improving transparency and public input in regards to Huntsville City Schools. Mm-hmm. After all, this is a public school system uh, by and for the public, or at least it's supposed to be. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, what you have in mind and why is that important? So I think um, the main reason it is important is because we are in the social media age. We are angry behind a keyboard. We are people who rile each other up. We like, we share, we crowdsource, we crowdfund. We, we are doing things that are negatively impacting the public relations of our school system. 
And a lot of that can be solved with proper communication. If you can explain to people why a decision was made, if you can explain to people how a mistake was made, if you can explain all these things, and also if you can actually admit when a mistake was made and not try to defend it, that will happen less. What, it, what has happened is there's a great divide of us versus them, parents versus administration, teachers versus administration, um, teachers versus kids, teachers versus politics. It is, there's so many wars going on. And my whole campaign premise is let's build some bridges. Let's, let's sit down, let's talk, let's have the hard discussions. Let's have the mudslinging. Let's do it in a forum where there is transparency. And some of my, um, but actually both of my opponents are, are blocking people on social media. They're deleting comments. They are doing things that could hurt their image at all. And that's not what you're signing up for. If you're gonna be in public service, you have to take the hit sometimes and it's for the benefit of us all. And so I am always gonna be transparent. Um, I am a cleared professional on the arsenal. So I do understand that some things cannot be discussed to the public. I do understand that there is harm of telling people all your decisions um, but I also do believe that giving people more information than they're getting now can solve a lot of our problems in this community. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and, and I will say as someone who taught in Huntsville City Schools, who spent uh, over five years representing the workers in Huntsville City Schools, communication was one of the biggest issues that I encountered uh, in more than one administration. And, and I think you really, something you said that resonated with me is, is listening when you whether the issue is um, teacher morale teacher turnover literacy it all starts with listening to the folks who are involved the students the parents the educators everyone who has a stake they're experiencing it day after day why not listen to what they have to say um, yes and and i've been trained in customer service i was a 1-800 suicide counselor i have been trained in communication um, and active listening. And the thing is, is perception is reality for most people. And so we have to take that into mind. If someone is on Facebook or on social media or complaining in an email, that is their truth, whether it's actual truth or not. And we have to take the time, meet with those people and make sure that they come down off that ledge and understand that maybe they were a little mistaken or maybe they jumped to a conclusion. It takes time. Communication takes a lot of time. Um, but I'm willing to do that. Right. And I think something that that's important for folks to remember is that sometimes your biggest critics are the ones who care the most. Uh, right. Because it's easy to remain silent. But if you are the person sending the angry emails, something resonated with you, you know, whether exactly. it's based on truth or not, something resonated, something motivated you. Uh, and, and it's worth listening. It's worth addressing. So I think that's really important, and I, I appreciate that you're you have this emphasis on listening, on transparency, and on clear communication. Uh, and communication goes beyond PR; it goes beyond buying billboards; it goes beyond hiring consultants. Uh, it has to be authentic and genuine. And just while we're on this subject, I, I'd be curious to know. Um, I. I was involved in multiple fights over the years to try to restore citizen comments and citizen questions at the school board meetings. Uh, so this is kind of a specific one, but how do you feel about that? Should do you think members of the public should be allowed, as we once were, to ask questions during work sessions or uh, have a easier process to sign up and speak at the end of the meeting? Yes, I do. Um, I was 
recently at a school board meeting where parents attended with the assumption because it was their first school board meeting that they would be able to ask a question at the end. And um, they they obviously were not. And they were incredibly upset because they had taken the effort to come down to this meeting. They wanted a face to face discussion. And um, I, I told them I was like, you're supposed to, you know, fill out a form online 72 hours ahead of time. You're supposed to get approved. You're only supposed to talk for three minutes. And they were just shocked. And we do need to have some kind of forum for parents to be able to discuss. Now, I do understand that in the past, it was a lot of griping. It was a lot of um, negative comments. It was it was things that the board wasn't prepared to answer because they didn't know what was coming. I do um, genuinely understand those concerns, but I think that we need to give people an opportunity to speak again. I also think that we shouldn't allow it to get to the point where someone has to come to a board meeting to speak. And the people who did come that night didn't have their emails responded to. And if you don't want people to come to your board meeting angry, then you need to take the time to talk to them. Right. And that was my experience as well. I encountered that at, you know, I've attended well over 100 Huntsville school board meetings. And I encountered that quite often where folks would show up motivated uh, expecting the opportunity to offer input because it is, after all, public school board meeting, uh, public record, public meeting of the public uh, with public tax dollars. And so they assume, hey, I'm, I'm the public. I, I get to say something. I get to speak my piece. Um, and they were frequently disappointed by that. And and like you said, often it was folks who had tried the proper channel, so to speak, to no mm-hmm. avail. Uh, so I really appreciate your emphasis on that. Just want to I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, As you know, this is a labor radio show. Uh, We don't hide that fact. We're very proud of that. We strive to examine politics from the lens of the working class for by and of the working class. And Huntsville City Schools is a major employer in North Alabama. It's got a significant budget overseeing institutions that serve the vast, overwhelming majority of the working class families within Huntsville. So before we get into more specific issues on that front, I just, could you give us a sense, and generally speaking, of your approach and philosophy when it comes to labor relations? Uh, because after all, as a member of the school board, you would be uh, an employer. Yes, um, definitely. So um, a little bit of backstory about me. Um, My grandfather is first generation um, U.S. citizen, and he was a union leader. And my father was a union leader. And when you're a union leader, you get all the feedback. And when my dad graduated college and we moved to Huntsville in 1990, he always had his employees in mind. And when he started a company in um, 2006, he it was all about taking care of your employees, having the best benefits, having very competitive pay, um, inviting their families in. Um, at Venturi, his company, every every child got a handwritten birthday card. Every spouse got a handwritten birthday card. It was the little bit touches. Um, most importantly, his door was always open. He was always available for feedback. Um, and he would adjust policy as needed. And because of that climate, people stayed. Our retention was in the 90s percent. Um, we were best place to work by the chamber. We we put in all our effort into the employees because our employees were contracted to the government in a customer service role. So if we took care of our company and our employees, they would take care of the customer, which was their job. And I look at that as very similar to Huntsville City Schools teachers. 
our job is to take care of those employees and those employees job is to teach our students. And if we're not taking care of our teachers, we are not doing any service to our students. And um, I have taken a lot of hits for saying I am pro-teacher um, because everyone is saying that I should just be pro-children. And I'm saying you can't have one without the other. Um, right. the, teacher, the teachers are the vessel of education to our students and we need to have them in good shape. And um, as far as what I think we can do, I think I, I, there's unlimited things we can do. There is no reason to stay the status quo. There is no reason to have the same contract structure as 20 years ago. Um, the world is changing. We are changing. We need to be flexible. We need to look at the work-life balance of our teachers. And um, we need to, to think outside the box for once and, and see what we can do, what we can offer here locally that will make everyone stop and say, oh, maybe we can do things different in education. Right. And um, that's how I'm looking at it. It's, it's, it's not stagnant. We can get creative. Well, and I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier in terms of listening, right? Those who do the work know the work. Uh, and by listening, by building the trust and cooperation uh, among your staff, you can get that input and you can get those ideas outside of the box on what can make things better. And, you know, it's a shame that being pro-teacher uh, is seen as controversial in some circles. I know, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, teachers are important. Right. We don't have schools without teachers. Uh, we trust our children with teachers um, 180 days out of the year minimum. Uh, so it's yeah, it's disappointing that that's that's a controversial thing among some folks. But I appreciate that you are staying true to mm -hmm. your values there and really the values that I think resonate with with the majority of the community, because most folks support their local teachers. Uh, mm -hmm. Most folks have a teacher or an educator of some kind in their family. They know how hard they work. Uh, they know how important the work is that they do uh, because they are literally shaping our community uh, and the lives of folks, of young folks and their futures. And so I think it doesn't do any good to see your, your teaching staff or your employees in an adversarial role. Right. Um, and I think that's something that's been an issue uh, in the past with Huntsville City Schools. Uh, so it's it's refreshing to hear a willingness to build that trust, build that co cooperation, and really be willing to respect folks, treat them with dignity. Um, so those of us who've been following Huntsville City Schools for over the years, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, we know that labor relations has been an issue. And one of the biggest examples there would be the teacher turnover rate. And also tying into what you mentioned, you can't have teaching without students. Well, the teacher's working conditions are the students' learning conditions. Uh, their conditions are tied together. So could you talk a little bit more about those issues um, and, and you know, maybe what, what you've heard on the campaign trail and, and what you're thinking in terms of moving forward to make some improvements? Um, I will tell you, I have probably spoken to upwards of 50 current and former Huntsville City Schools teachers um, since November. And the, the typical end of a conversation is, please don't tell anybody my name. And that's very unfortunate that we have teachers who are so scared for um, retaliation for, wow. for getting written up. And they do. I have had um, last year, it happened to me last year, a teacher was told not to speak to me. She was, she was told 
by an administrator, do not speak to me. And, and it was shocking. Of course, she told me, <laughs> but that is how it, it used to be. I know um, when Wardinsky was in charge, he had censored the teachers. He had said they were not allowed to speak out. And the teachers actually had negative consequences if they did. And um, I have spoken to those teachers. It has really happened. They were leaving, you know, one year, two year out before um, retirement. We had put them in a situation where it was do the right thing or do what's best for you. And they chose the right thing. Right. And that's unfortunate. And we need to end that. We are we are capable of so much more. Um, I, I personally am um, someone who can accept criticism. I am someone who can accept feedback. So it, it's always very discouraging when I encounter people who cannot and they take it personal and they would rather lash out than listen. And we need to get to a point where we are listening to our teachers. We are having communications with them, even the ones who are difficult. And um, even the ones who do complain a lot, we need to talk to them and we need to make sure that we are a safe employer, that um, any any decision they make, we have their back. We need um, we also need to provide them more guidance. Some of them are out there dealing with social issues right now on their own, begging for guidance from administration and they're not getting it. And it's because the administration doesn't want us toe a line. It doesn't want to set a policy, but that's only impacting our teachers. and. We just need to get a point where we got to realize that that the administration works for the teachers. Um, we need to flip the org chart upside down and whether a teacher needs a number two pencil or a kidney, we as the entire school system need to stop and get it for them. And that's how it should be. They need to be leading us and not, you know, central office or the quote unquote experts telling the teachers what to do. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I think it's um, it's not shocking to me, but it may be shocking to some folks that there were teachers and our teachers who were scared to even talk to you, a candidate mm -hmm. for public school board uh, who was going to be on the ballot August 23rd for fear of retaliation. Mm -hmm. And I think that reflects the culture inside the school district which itself is reflected in the turnover rates and some of the other issues that we've been discussing. And I think, you know, I, I, I agree that, that Huntsville could do so much better. Um, Huntsville literally put a man on the moon and <laughs> exactly. we should be able to keep a teacher in the classroom. Uh, we, I agree. We, we can do that. Um, so I really appreciate you, you elaborating there. And I wanted to also talk about the support staff, you know, we've talked a lot about teachers. So let's talk more about the support staff who, without them, our schools are not running. They do very important work. And over the past decade or so, Huntsville City Schools has been kind of a pioneer, uh, unfortunately, in, in my view, um, a pioneer in terms of privatization of support staff, which means contracting with for-profit temp agencies to hire staff, including cafeteria workers, custodians, security guards, bus drivers, special education aides, clerical workers, and more. And I wanted to know, what are your thoughts about this now longstanding practice? So I am a contractor, like I mentioned. Um, the reason contractors exist is because you don't want the government to be too large and a program finish. So if you're working on a certain missile, um, you know, after X amount of time, you're not going to need as much staff. It is up and running. <clears throat> and 
what do you do if you've hired all these people? And so contractors come into the, to the field and they are fluid to where they can go work on this project and then move to another project and, or work on multiple projects at a time. And that is our role is we are um, surge support for the most part. And we do bring expertise because we have worked on multiple projects. It's that type of thing. Um, what you don't ever contract out is something that will always be necessary. And that is what I was really shocked when we contracted out things like bus drivers and custodians, those are always going to be needed. There is no end to them. There was never a good idea to contract out positions like that. Um, additionally, we can't retain them for the little bit amount of pay they were made. Um, and, and this board approved those rates. And what they what we're paying for is a rate plus a fee that goes as a profit to another company in lieu of us paying a rate plus a benefit for, to retain these employees. And um, going back to our talk about labor relations, when you're hiring somebody for $13 an hour and not giving them, and, and you would rather pay profit to somebody in the city versus paying for their healthcare, I think that shows who we are. And we need to get away from that. We need to say, hey, bus driver, we are invested in you as much as you're invested in our kids. And that goes full circle. And sometimes it is a little bit more expensive, but you tend to always save more on the back end. Um, we lose so many people. We are, we are losing so much revenue on training, on, on new hires, on HR, on all the things that we have to do when you can't retain at a proper minimum. Um, not to mention, we don't have adequate bus drivers right now, and some of our kids are on the bus for 90 minutes a day, and that's just unacceptable. We have got to realize that our decision-making is trickling down to the students, and that's why people need to be really cognizant about who they're voting for, is because you have to realize not every decision is short-sighted. Not every decision can be, well, this was a little bit cheaper. We should go that route. No, there's always second and third order effects to every decision. And that is something that I can bring with my experience into this role is I've seen a lot of failure and I've seen a lot of success in my career based on decision-making, um, based on leadership. So I think that I can advise better. I can advise more questions. I can say, hey, let's think this through. It looks like a great idea, but what happens if this happens and whatnot? Um, and then I also just think that these people, especially our aides, our special ed aides, our, our cafeteria workers, they are all so important. If we are missing one, it disrupts the entire school. And we got to start focusing on how important these people are as they are in our schools, dealing with our children, keeping our children safe, um, keeping our children fed, getting our kids to school on time, prepared, healthy. This is important stuff, and we need to stop acting like it's just an hourly job. Right, and and I want to emphasize something that we that you brought up here. Uh, for those not familiar with it, what happens when these school districts, such as Huntsville, contracts out is a custodian, for example, will be hired through a temp agency rather than the school district, which mm -hmm. means they do not get the state health insurance plan. It means they do not get the state retirement pension. Uh, it means they do not have any of the due process or other protections within state law uh, designed. They for don't get employees. leave. Right. They, they, do, they don't get leave. They do not get paid when school closes for weather. Right. So the paid sick leave, the retirement pension, the health insurance, the legal protections, 
Um, all of those are out the window. Uh, but hey, the staffing agency does get a nice cut. Um, so, and, and as you mentioned, it's as much as we have a teacher turnover crisis, we have tremendous turnover in terms of our support staff. And I personally can never remember a day where custodians were fully staffed in, across the district. Maybe it's happened over the last several years, but I certainly never encountered it. Um, and so what you have is inadequate services. And that's where you start to deal with issues um, in terms of the cleanliness of the schools, obviously very important in a pandemic era uh, and so on. So to me, it's one of the, the biggest scandals uh, mm -hmm. out there that has been so under discussed uh, and, and is rarely covered in the media. Uh, but these are people who live in our community, uh, people who pay taxes in our community, people who uh, often went to Huntsville City Schools or have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews in Huntsville City Schools, people who are a part of our school community. Uh, and, and really, I just uh, I believe we can do better. Uh, and the support staff and the support services of our public schools should not be an opportunity for profit for private interest. So with all that said, I'll, I'll uh, jump off my soapbox for a sec and, and switch gears again. Tell us, how's the campaign going and what are some of the things you run up against? Oh, goodness. It's I guess it's going well. Um, it's my first one. And I, to be honest, didn't really pay much attention to politics. Um, I personally don't think that school boards should be a political race to begin with. Um, but I'm finding myself in this situation um, and I am learning as I go. So it is it is going well. I, I am getting a tremendous amount of support from the people that matter to me which is teachers, which is um, people in district three who know me, who have seen the work I do. Um, it, you have a lot of highs and lows. And I had met with a few people who had just gotten out of elections who, who warned me of that, but I couldn't comprehend what they were saying at the time. So um, it is difficult to be a human <laughs> who is participating in this process. Um, I can imagine. But yeah, but I'm actually very thankful I've met I've met some people I wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, and it has some beautiful parts as well. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think I think we are. A, I hope that the things that I have brought up on the campaign trail, whether I win or not, are are continued. I hope that once I have in, introduced the narrative, I hope that the things that I post on Facebook, I hope that they get some traction. Um, and we can make positive change in our schools. That is my ultimate goal, whether it's me doing it or someone taking my ideas and doing it. We need to start doing something to get us out of this slump. Right, right. So on that note, just wanted to mention uh, what you're facing in terms of your opponents. So <laughs> you're running against the incumbent, Elisa Farrell, who I think could very fairly be considered the establishment candidate as well as Angela McClure, who uh, has positioned herself as the much more overt, ideologically right-wing candidate. So are there any contrasts you'd like to draw between yourself and what you're about, what you're running on, how you're campaigning, and the opposition you face on the ballot? Um, yes. So uh, if you're And I'm not asking you to go negative. You don't have to go negative by <laughs> no, any I means. But, I, you know, I won't. Just, just tell us kind of what makes you different from... Uh, these two candidates. Um, if you're if you're comparing me to the incumbent, Miss Farrell, 
I think that I am more in touch with our schools in present day. Um, I also feel like there was a significant amount of negative press um, during her two terms to, to where it would be almost exhausting to address people at this point. Um, they had to go through the pandemic. They had to go through the desegregation order. All the things that have brought out the most negative parts of our community happened during Ms. Farrell's tenure. I think that that is exactly why I should be um, put into this seat now is I am fresh. I am not burnt out. I am not jaded. I, I can come in there with a positive mentality and, and listen to people again. I can build the bridges that were burned previously. I can do those things. Um, additionally, like I said, I have three kids in school. Miss Farrell's kids are grown. Um, it's really hard to be um, a representative of something when you don't really have your own personal experience with it anymore. Um, particularly elementary school. We haven't had a single board member with someone who had a child in elementary school in over six years. And right now we only have one board member who even has a child in Huntsville city schools. And you're missing that input. You're you, all you hear are these negative comments when you don't have somebody in elementary school saying, Hey, this did not work during remote learning or, Hey, this is not working for literacy intervention. Like I'm doing, you're missing out on an advocate. And I think District three needs new representation, but I also think elementary schools need representation at this moment in time. Um, a lot of the issues we're facing in middle school and high school, which is what we typically focus on, could be fixed in elementary school. If we had proper reading interventions, we wouldn't have as many kids delayed in middle and high school. If we had proper discipline interventions in elementary school, we wouldn't have as many issues in middle school and high school. Um, if we had proper communication in elementary school, we wouldn't have jaded parents by the time they got to high school. So all these things that we need to, we need to focus at the beginning again and, um, and really make the change there. And then if you're comparing me um, to Ms. McClure, um, to be honest, I just feel like we need to represent all 23,000 kids in our school district and not all of them are conservative or come from conservative leaning families. Um, so I think that if you come across so right wing, you're going to automatically make enemies on day one. And um, that is not what we're here for. We are here to be an inclusive school system of, of everyone. And we need to focus on what is best for our city as a whole, which may or may not always lean conservative. Sometimes it's not political. Sometimes it's what's best for our students that day. And we need to, to keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you put that very nicely. Uh, I have some thoughts uh, that I will probably share separate from this interview. So as to, you know, show proper respect to you. Um, but I did want to ask you to tell us a little bit more about your district, District 3, especially for those of you who are listening. Maybe you're in Huntsville and you're not exactly sure what District 3 is, where it, what district you live in. So if you could tell us about the district um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, um, so District 3 is, is mainly the, the families and the schools that feed into Grissom High School. Um, the districts did change this year with the census, so there is a little bit of a, um, a, a difference where the Whitesburg elementary and middle voters, those are not, Whitesburg is not a District 3 school, but the voters reside in District 3. Okay. So um, it's going to require a, a really good communication strategy between District 3 and District 4 regarding Whitesburg because their students go to one district, but they live in a different district. 
So um, that's new for this year that um, will be um, just a challenge in general. Right. Um, so it's mainly, it's going to be Farley, Weatherly, Chaffee, Mountain Gap, Challenger Elementary, and then Mountain Gap, Challenger Middle School, and then like I said, Grissom High School. So those are the eight schools. Um, so if you're a student um, or a teacher are in one of those schools, you have a vested interest in choosing your district three candidate. Absolutely. And for those of you who uh, don't have any children in schools or, you know, don't have any relatives in school, as a as a member of the community, the public schools are really important to the success of not just your community, but really our democracy. Uh, and so if you do live in southeast Huntsville in District 3, keep that in mind. The election is on August 23rd. That is a Tuesday. Um, if people are interested, how could they help out the campaign or find out more about your campaign? So I have a Facebook page and a web page. Um, you can go to alvarezforresults.com or you can also email me at alvarez4hcs at gmail.com. Um, and we could get you any information you need or any follow on questions. I'm happy to respond to anyone. Um, I, to, to follow on to what you said, Adam, the election is August 23rd. School board is the only ballot on the District 3 um, election. That's right. So, Jenny Robinson, the city council member, does not have an opposition exactly. candidate. So we really need people who care about our schools to go out and vote that day. Um, it is very impactful. Sometimes the election is won by less than a couple hundred votes. And so we really need um, big turnout. It's not a fancy race. It's not a lot on the ticket. It'll take you five seconds <laughs> to go in, get that ballot and fill out the one circle you have to do. But we really hope that you do it um, because it's a four year term. So you're making a decision for the next four years and and things can change drastically in four years. So make sure you're putting the right person in office. Was there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to discuss? I I think that's it. I really appreciate the opportunity um, getting my name out there and, and being able to answer these questions in a nice, polite setting is refreshing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but like I said, please reach out. I'm always available all different types of media, and I will answer your questions. All right, folks, that was Andrea Al Alvarez. She is running for Huntsville School Board, District 3. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> you just saw a clip from the Valley Labor Report. We are live every Saturday morning from 9.30 a.m. till 12.30 p.m., and we pride ourselves on keeping all of our content free to everybody so that we can talk to as many working folks as possible. If you support the work that we're doing, you think that it's important, you think that it's good, then consider making a monthly contribution to the project, and you can do that on our website, tvlr.fm.